6 a.m. run community, family, everyone, runners, members of the podcast, a lot of you guys that have been really helping. You guys know I, I start these podcasts off with a lot of gratitude. You know, these episodes are growing. Um, you guys, I don't think, see this. I think as we're doing this one, there's maybe a little over 30 published. I'm recording right now, almost like my 70th. Uh, we're really recording a bunch of these to have, you know, through the next couple of months. And I'm really excited. And I want to thank everyone for your support. Obviously, 6amrun.com, who, because of 6amrun.com nutrition, this is our biggest sponsor. And, you know, obviously, you guys know that 6am Run is the reason that these podcasts and we are brought to you by 6amrun.com. I am Hami, a CEO and founder of 6am Run. So you guys, we try not to talk too much about that, but obviously you guys all know it's because of 6am Run that these podcasts are possible. With that, I want to get right into, I don't want to waste any more of this guest's time. I'm very excited. Uh, We have Dr. Alice Lee on the show. Dr. Alice Lee, I want to, if you don't mind, I always do this. I like the guest to really, truly, you know, say hello and introduce themselves because I I really don't want to miss anything. And if you don't mind, please take it away, introduce yourself. And I'm very excited uh, that I'll say why I asked you to be on. But go ahead, Dr. Alice Lee. Welcome to 6AM Run Podcast. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to share my message. Uh, So I'm a holistic psychiatrist. But my training is in psychiatry, so that's a medical school training, four years of medical school, four years of adult psychiatry, and then I went on to do two more years in child and adolescent psychiatry. That's a fellowship. After that, I did about eight years of regular conventional psychiatry before I even found my way to more of a holistic approach. And uh, in 2002, I began to explore more about the role of nutrition in mental health, And then 2003, I learned more about mindfulness. I learned about a very popular technique at the time, and it still is, called emotional freedom technique. Mm -hmm. And I started integrating uh, energy medicine into my practice. So uh, over the years, it's been about 20 years now, and as I've gone to conferences or used uh, different techniques to understand more about what's going on, I've tried to find out more about how to help my patients to truly be healthy rather Mm -hmm. than treating uh, mental health as this mysterious black box that we throw psychiatric medications into. And Mm -hmm. many of my patients whom I work with are no longer patients because they've learned the skills, they've healed themselves from the ground up, they've been able to withdraw from their medication safely. And so the better I am at my work, you know, the more I have to be like looking for new patients to come into my practice because literally the faster the turnover of people in my practice. So I've really enjoyed the nature of my job now because mm-hmm. I do pretty much the opposite of what a lot of conventional psychiatrists do. I help people be healthy, get off their meds, leave, and then I take on new patients. So that's my role in life. Wow. I can really relate to that in so many ways. One of our core values, obviously, first is community, and then second is health and wellness, you know, before even our products as a company. I try not to talk about our company on these podcasts that much because that's not the goal of that, of this show. But it's so funny you mentioned that. I always tell my wife daily, I know for a fact, and I'm not trying to brag or say this in a braggadocious way, but I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, and I'm a better CEO founder 
because I put my health as a priority Mm -hmm. and putting my physical health as a priority, I feel like it just has opened up my mental health. I don't know if that makes sense and if that's clinically proven, but the one hour a day that I go run, if you know, there's that hangry terminology, my wife calls it rungry. Mm -hmm. If I don't run that hour, I'm very, I don't want to say hostile, but I'm almost like it's, I feel very incomplete and it's a very centering of my day. Do you agree with that? Do you recommend physical fitness at all in some of your patients? Oh, absolutely. Physical fitness is one of the key aspects of health, of mental health. And it's so interesting because in conventional psychiatry, there's such a separation between mental and physical as if there's a clear territory, you know, like no other person can like cross over that territory because mental health kind of owns that territory of the mind. What I've discovered actually as a holistic psychiatrist is that there is no separation between the body and the mind. And in, in fact, most of what I found as a holistic psychiatrist that has allowed me to help people to come off six medications in less than a year, for example, has been based upon my understanding that mental health is a metabolic illness that is found metabolically throughout the body. The mind is a messenger that is sending the message that the person is struggling, but it's only Mm -hmm. the messenger. So to just fix the message without really healing the underlying problem is really not fixing the problem at all. It's like getting rid of the oil light when you're still leaking oil in your gas pan. Wow. So can we start a little bit even going backwards? And then nutrition, do you sugars? Yesterday, we're coming off, we're taping this show after Easter. I saw yesterday, I was just watching my children eat all this candy and sugar. And luckily they were on spring break because they were not going to bed on time last night. Mm -hmm. Do you think, and then diet, do you think a lot starts from there as well? I mean, Mm -hmm. sugars, bad foods, like everything that's, you know, out there, you know, these sodas, all that stuff. Are you seeing also a correlation? You said you deal with children. So I want to start there. I think that's, and it's funny, we're just coming off a second sort. I call it the second Halloween of the year. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of things that we take for granted within our society, the way foods are grown, the way we're expected to eat. And, you know, there's a saying, as you know, uh, an apple day keeps a doctor. Thinking ahead of my Is that true? An apple a day keeps a doctor away. Okay. So that saying, it was really interesting. When I was just starting uh, to study the role of minerals in the body, I read that one apple in 1917 had 26 times the amount of apples in 1997. So literally, you know, what happens is that the way foods are grown has changed so much that the amount of food that we eat cannot really meet our nutritional needs anymore. If one apple in 1917 has enough content, like iron content, that it takes 26 apples now, you know, like in 1997, that's so long ago, to even meet the same amount of mineral content, then you can't eat 26 apples a day to make up the iron that's missing in our apples nowadays, or even 30 apples now. So the way foods are grown, harvested, and also the way in which agriculture uses pesticides and herbicides, maybe really shifting and changing the nature of our food. And that's why just as obesity has been exponentially rising within our world, um, so is 
mental illness. It's following the same kind of curve. Mental illness mm-hmm. is going up just as nutritional or obesity is going up. And I think it's because people are trying to feed themselves with food and it's not meeting their nutritional needs. So they're eating a lot of foods that are low in nutritional content. And when I say low in nutritional content, there are eight things that we're looking for in our foods, of course, uh, vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, amino acids, GI support, antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, and detoxification. And these are the eight roles that I'm trying to help the individuals who come to my office to replete at a minimum And then they have to meet their daily needs and exceed it if they want to heal beyond where they are as far as the status quo. So nutrition has a really huge piece to play. And in terms of what kinds of foods obviously are helpful, our brain loves sugar. You know, the Mm -hmm. brain runs on sugar. So it's food that can be very addicting when it's highly refined sugar. So it's very different to eat, let's say, fruit and enjoy the natural sugars from that than let's say an Easter bunny, which has all sorts of refined sugars. So ultimately, when you eat the proper sugars, you're going to get healthier. But if you eat the wrong sugars, it can destroy your health, not only because it ruins your appetite for other things, but because the kind of refined sugars really de- it minimizes the health of your immune system. And also, of course, it's horrible for your gut, so. Well, and do you see, now, can we equate that to kind of like the behavior a little bit? Do you see like with children especially, do you see a change in like behavior? Like, what do you think there? Some children will have a hypersensitivity to these types of foods um, that are high in sugar uh, or Mm. dyes of different kinds, or they may be hypersensitive to wheat and dairy products. So the earlier that a person develops these hypersensitivity reactions to certain foods as they grow older uh, because of inflammatory reactions, they can have more mental health problems. Yes. Well, now let's bring it back a little bit. You really focus on child psychology and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things, I don't know if I'm asking this correctly, but what I'm also hearing is we are creatures kind of of our past in a way, right? So when you're not doing the best you can at these early stages of life, you're really setting up the child. I don't want to say I'm saying this wrong, but like every child, we all have our kids and we all want them. Obviously the goal is for them to be the best humans overall as possible, right? You're now also, from what I'm gathering now is also too, just hearing what you're saying, it's like, wow, you're also then just, you're setting them up for failure in the future in a way. Like, I don't want to say failure. That's such a bad word in terms of like finality, but you're not even giving them then the best instruction or the best base. That's what I'm looking for. You're not giving them the best base that's going to allow them to grow up to reach their full potential in their adult or or even teenage years, right? Well, you're right, but we don't need to feel guilty as parents. I think nobody's going to be perfect as far as parenting goes with their children, but it is important for us to um, not only offer our children the very best in terms of nutrition and exercise and support in terms of love and compassion as they develop, but I think it's really important that as we're doing so that we respect their freedom to choose. Like, for example, I had a father who 
uh, taught me how to do Tai Chi. And so I did Tai Chi from age seven until 14 every day, literally wow. in the morning. And you would say, wow, that's great. But it was done in a way that made me feel like I had no other choice but to do it. And so I had to work hard as I got older, not to rebel by not wanting to do what is healthy when it comes to exercise, because it felt like it was pushed upon me. So I think anything that's good, if we can just present it in a way that's um, attractive to our children, explain to them the reasons behind it, allow them to have choices and learn from the mistakes, it's going to help them in time to own it so that when they get older, they can own the way they live their lives in a very healthy way. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now let's go more to... I want to kind of get to the point. I know this sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but when you start to kind of see them, right? I think we talked a lot of it about diet and about the right things to do. Mm-hmm. When you talk about child psychology, I kind of want to just get a little bit into that. Mm-hmm. Just like some questions I have very quickly. You talk, you know, social media, anxiety. You talked about when you first started this in early 2000s and things like that. In my opinion, one of the words, a word that since I want to say about 2010 till now, about past 12, 15 years, I think anxiety is just a word that has been very, very, very dominant in people's feelings, in people's thoughts, right? It's like, I'm getting anxious. This is giving me anxiety, you know, social media, seeing other people, what they're doing and Mm -hmm. other people's like trajectory in lives. We're living in a very anxious society. Do you think that if we can kind of work with today's youth to cope those kind of feelings. I I hope I'm making sense when I say this. Mm -hmm. Let's get away a little bit from nutrition and talk about the mentality is what I'm saying. Do you think there's things we can do? Are kids on TikTok too much? Are kids on social media too much? What are you prescribing? And guys, let me, I I know I'm being long-winded here, but Dr. Lee and I are, what our goal, and I think in this conversation is to talk to parents and runners and people that are out there about holistic alternatives to, let's say, even like, maybe we'll get ADHD medications and things like that. Mm -hmm. So part of, like I said, maybe dealing with a child who's got anxiety, do we monitor phone time? My kid is on TikTok probably three hours a day. Is that bad? What are your thoughts there in the world we live in today? Well, those are all really, really good questions. And We can just start with the way I try to organize the way I look at any problem. And I work with anxiety and depression all the time, along with psychosis and bipolar disorder. So I I work beyond just, you know, environmentally induced anxiety. It's more medical issues that have already caused a number of patients to come in on two or more medications. But when we start with children, that's actually the place where you can have the biggest bang for the buck when it comes to health. So before they get into medications and all sorts of other things, the way I organize anything is to look at spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and social. So these are all five areas that integrate together. One area is no more important or less important than another So when we look at all of these different areas, you've mentioned quite a few of them and how they can contribute to what you call anxiety. And anxiety can be a very medical term, but what it boils down to is a sense of maybe overwhelm, 
a sense of failure and fear of failure or just fears in general, maybe a sense of isolation and maybe just all of the different things that make one feel inadequate. And so when you add them all together, you have this little one single word that's not very even very clear, but it very inadequately describes this phenomenon that we're talking about, this state of anxiety. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is both an emotional response, but it's also a physical response. So if you look on TikTok, it's like looking at all of these different areas that can either be very tragic or very like hard to reach in terms of the utopia that is pictured there, right? It's like two extremes. On social media, you can have somebody say, oh, I just lost my daughter today, or I, this person died. Or you can have another person say, wow, I just won a million dollars, and now I'm on a yacht cruising the world. And so you're exposed to these extremes because in social media, it's clickbait. It's like mm-hmm. you are meant to be addicted to right. somebody else's story. You're so busy looking at everybody else's story that you don't have time to make your own story, right? You don't have time to live your own life and be out there and do your own things because you're so focused on the external. And Mm -hmm. one thing that is really helpful for children to learn from very early on is to be able to what? Have insight, to meditate, to be confident in their own self, to be able to be busily engaged in what it is that they want as opposed to comparing themselves to someone else. So what is happiness? Happiness is really not something that you could buy or own or even like train yourself into being. Happiness is a side effect of living your life properly. And a lot of times if you look at everybody else and you compare yourself to someone else, it's very hard to be happy because You can either compare yourself to someone who's tragic and life is tragic and so you feel really sad for them, or you can compare yourself to someone who's so far beyond anybody else in terms of, you know, wealth and opportunity that you feel inadequate. So anytime you externalize your life and compare yourself constantly to someone else, I think it's harder for that individual to develop happiness because they're not busily engaged in living their lives where happiness can be a side effect. Well, and so it's also twofold to that, Mm -hmm. right? So we go back to Candy for a second. I think you're the perfect person to say this example too. I think as you get older, you confuse happiness is never a forever state. It's just not. I don't think it's possible. You can't be a happy person forever. I think when you get older, what I'm realizing, I'm 42, what I'm realizing, it's not so much happiness as much as it's more content, right? Family's healthy. Wife is healthy. Wife is happy. You know, jokingly, she's happy. She's not not mad at me today, right? There's there's content, right? And sometimes when I put my head down to, to bed at night, I do at least say, am I happy? No, look, I'm not laughing, smiling. I'm not happy per se, but guess what? The kids are in bed. They're healthy. Everyone's fed. I'm content tonight, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, and this is where I'm going back. So I want to share this example with you. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of years ago, my youngest is now six, but this she was like four at the time. Mm -hmm. And we did like a Friday night movie night and we had popcorn and candy in the bed, right? We're watching a movie. It's Friday night. 
And usually what I love about that, the kids, that's like the night they can crash in our bed and we all just kind of fall asleep to a movie or something. Mm -hmm. My youngest woke up the next morning. She remembered she didn't finish the bag of candy she had, but obviously eight in the morning or whatever time she woke up, that was not, you're not having candy before breakfast, Mm -hmm. right? She was looking for the candy. We had obviously taken it and put it away. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Lee, she was crying like bloody murder. Mm-hmm. Like you would have thought someone passed away or something the way she was crying. Mm-hmm. And what that kind of made me realize was also perception, right? You talk about taking candy from a baby per se, that that cliche. I'm sitting there like, you know, you're really crying over candy. Mm-hmm. But to her... I think sometimes we don't do as parents is try to, even my my oldest daughter who just started high school this year, mm-hmm. sometimes I have to tell myself, listen, to me at 42, this problem seems, I hate to say that word, but this problem seems kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we understand sometimes that to them, it's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And it's not till you get older and you are more worldly and you are more experienced If I had the brain I have now at 21, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I'd be a rock star, (laughs) right? But but I had to go through, you know, everything I went through. Mm -hmm. I, at 35, I kind of realized why my parents were, at at that time, I thought jerks. Mm -hmm. But now I realize having kids, dude, my parents did what they had to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's another really big example that I learned as a mom that I really suspected before I became a mom, but uh, really got, it was a really strong lesson when I became a mom. And that is that the traumas that happen to children emotionally sometimes hurt a lot more and last a lot longer than something that could be like a skin knee or a bump in the head or something like that. Which really demonstrates that there's a different aspect to our lives that we don't really understand as fully. And that is the uh, energies, the energetics of life. And what I mean by that is that the spiritual, mental, emotional, and the social, of course, is also kind of relationships and energy, plays a huge role in terms of our physical health. And it's Mm -hmm. not something for us to kind of like minimize. So that's where I kind of started to work on energy medicine because in the field of energy medicine, we start to understand how thoughts, intentions, our connection to what I call life energy, which is this idea of perfect energy. Some people might think of it as God, if God is a perfectly loving, infinitely wise, infinitely powerful source, let's just say. But when we connect to that source and we also learn about some of the basic principles of how energy can be blocked or unblocked or supported in energy medicine, you can use a lot of healing tools that work at the thought level and can help with healing from big and little traumas. So Mm -hmm. I use that a lot with my patients because they all come at least with, they come to me with at least the fear of coming off the medications Mm -hmm. because they've been taught all the time, even though they really want to come off the medications, uh, they've been taught that that's the only thing between them and, you know, this flagrant mental illness. So we have to work with lots of fears and traumas. And I have a couple of techniques that I love on my website. So for people who can go to my website, uh, which is holisticpsychiatrist.com, 
a psychiatrist with an IST at the end. Um, if you go there, there is a section called information. And then once you hit that tab, there's a section called energy medicine techniques. And one of my favorite is a really simple one called empower energy technique. And it's just one facet of a bigger umbrella called infinite intention technique. So it's using and integrating meditation, intention, and our connection to this idea of perfect life energy to help shift some of the traumas and hardships that we may have. Mm -hmm. For example, by the time someone is old enough to realize that candy is bad for them, they may already be quite dependent on a constant stream of sugar in the Mm -hmm. form of candy or sweets. And how do you change that if your body's craving something that's not good for it? Okay. And Mm -hmm. it could be candy. It could be coffee. It could be a medication, whatever it is. So with energy medicine, you can actually get rid of those problems at the thought level. So you don't have to work as hard against your body's physiology. And it's quite amazing how energy medicine which seems so simple and easy to do. And it's free once you know the technique can make such a huge difference in terms of the person's ability to overcome cravings. Uh, It could be for self-esteem issues, traumas, and even building good habits. Well, I do love that. Mm -hmm. Now, can we talk about some of the energy, right? So I want to go back to energy is a big thing for our customers, right? And you bring that up a little bit, but I want to open up your thoughts. I'd love your opinion on this. I always say this to a lot of my friends and family members in terms of when you talk about like energy, right? Mm -hmm. I did this, by the way, I did this yesterday. So I, I do both. Sometimes I think it's okay to say, you know what? I'm going to get up on a Sunday. I'll use this as an example. I'll get up out of bed. I go downstairs, I eat cereal, I plop on the couch and I might watch football for a Sunday, mm-hmm. right? What I've found though is if I get up on a weekend, I use weekends as an example because most times, you know, you don't have that much work on the weekends. If I get out of bed on a Saturday, Sunday and immediately what I do is I go run, what I found is I come back from that run and while I get back, I can't explain this and this is why I want to ask you and you'll see where I'm going with this. I'm like, oh crap, I got a vacuum oh no, I got to clean this. Oh my God, we got to go to the grocery store. We got to get food for the week. I'm so much more productive just because my first action of the day was a physical fitness activity. I don't know if that makes sense. And if I get up out of bed and my first action is another lazy action, right? That kind of defines that day. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and you know, when you run, it's you're stimulating the adrenals, you're stimulating the whole right. body and the health of the whole body. So you are basically waking yourself up through your physical yeah. activity. But if you get up, but you haven't quite woken up and you're already relaxing already in front right. of the TV, um, I can see how that would get in the way of being productive. Yeah. Right. And, and it's so funny that, you know, you talk about, it's funny, that's, that's something, and I, I love your, you know, holistic approach. Mm-hmm. That's something that doesn't need outside of maybe a coffee, right? Or some, some a little bit, right? But like, there's no medication that's needed to that, right? That's, yeah. that's a little psychological. That's a little euphoric, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, there's just tangible actions I feel like you can do to be productive on certain days. Now, don't get me wrong. Yesterday was Easter and I said, I'm going to kind of 
be lazy today. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to, you know, I think sometimes, you know, I, I really, really got, feel like I caught up on some much needed rest yesterday. But I do love your approach of kind of figuring out ways. And I think like, and kind of going back to like, I don't know, I've never been diagnosed ADHD, right? But I do know that when I run, I can also, I don't want to say meditate, but I get to this kind of place where I can center myself and I can clearly think. I've come up with some of my best ideas on runs for both business and both personally. And that's where I feel like physical fitness, I don't think gets the credit to, you know, some maybe a little bit of medicine substitute as well. I mean, and then back to, I, we try not to talk too much about like the pandemic. I know there's way too many people on too many different sides, but even that, one of the things we told our, a lot of our customers was, look, the only thing really you've got control over right now is your physical health. Go run, take care of your body, eat the right foods. And what we're seeing with the pandemic was, look, people that took care of their health were nine times out of 10, the ones that were beating this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. We are definitely aligned in terms of our outlook. With regard to just health in general, I wanted to mention one thing. I was quite inspired when I I read this book called Miracle Mornings. Have you ever heard of that book? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. So there's this uh, book by Hal Elrod, and this guy had survived car accident and lost his business, and later he had cancer. But he wrote a book called The Miracle Morning, and there are six habits that you establish in the morning. And so I started doing The Miracle Morning, and literally it was so much energy. I ended up in the midst of doing this series of morning routines, I ended up going, hmm, you know, this is the pandemic. I Most of my patients are online. Where would I like to live? And I literally like moved from Maryland to Utah while I was doing the miracle morning routine. It was just so empowering. Just can change your whole life. But the six yeah. things, if I can remember right, is you meditate, you visualize, you journal, you exercise. And there's a couple other things that you can do. But it's basically six things that if you do it routinely, like 10 minutes each for them and in your while you're doing yeah while you're doing the run yeah you can run and meditate at the same time or you can run and visualize at the same time but it was so um helpful and starting the day off right uh, i think it really is a, a very empowering habit there's another book called the atomic habits which is all about building good habits and how to help someone build good habits and these mm-hmm. are all different things that are, they're more i would call it resources that you can go to over and over again to help empower your life. I'm, I'm writing this when I'm just, I'm writing these notes down as you're saying it. I'm definitely going to read that by the way. Yeah. And of course, both of the writers, the one for Atomic Habits, the one for Miracle Mornings, their lives, these writers' lives embody their message, meaning that they've overcome so much in their lives mm-hmm. through the use of these tools that they're sharing with everyone. Yeah. I love that. I do believe, don't get me wrong, I want to make sure, and I'm no doctor, uh, your education, I look to, to professionals like yourself, but it's funny, like, I feel like as I've gotten older, I do try to see what can I do. I'll give you another example. Even my wife recently, like she's been telling me, 
I used to be so quick with just grabbing Advil, even a little headache. And I've been learning, you know, it doesn't, you think it, the headache's gone because of the medicine, but it's just, it's there. It's just masked. Right. And like just doing things was really like drinking water. Are you dehydrated? Did you eat? You know, your nourishment can be cures for these things where you can really escape medicines, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Well, of course, as a MD, I was trained like that. You know, if you have a problem, here's a medication, right? Everything's a medication. Let me ask you real quick, not not to interrupt, but was that old school? Because I want to say new school, I think even doctors, I've realized a lot of doctors, even before they prescribe anything, it's got to be like necessary. Am I crazy? Because I feel like my doctors have been, you got to convince them, but go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, I think that what I was shocked by when I went into holistic medicine was how powerful natural things are for healing our bodies. Mm -hmm. Because I was taught that a medication is the best route for healing. And what I found out to be true is that what I was learning in nutritional approaches, which is called functional medicine, or it's also called orthomolecular medicine. So in functional medicine and orthomolecular medicine, where you learn about nutrition, I discovered that if you replete the body nutritionally, you really can heal mental illness in literally like weeks. I had this one guy who was psychotic who came in and he had just tried to jump off a, like he said a cliff, but he didn't hurt himself. He just scratched his cheek, but he was kind of psychotic and he didn't want to use medications. So this is very early on in my exploration of holistic medicine. So I didn't really know much, but I said, well, let's, let's have your mom. And he was suicidal. So his mom had to watch him 24 seven and I had him take a kind of a mix of supplements. And the next week he was 80% better. And the week after that, he already found a job. So in, (laughs) in mental health, we don't know how powerful nutrition is for some of these people who come in with different problems. And I think that when it comes to headaches and things like that, or when you have joint aches, what I've also discovered is that there's a lot of other fields besides medicine that have answers for that. So for example, there are things like Arnica cream, which is a homeopathic cream that can help with pain and Mm -hmm. traumas. And it helps in a way that's healing for the body. So if there's anything that you need, sometimes you can just Google, like what is the natural thing for helping this or that? that. Like uh, I had one patient who wanted me to help her with her blood pressure. And I was like, I'm a psychiatrist. How can I help you with your blood pressure? It's like, well, just help me with nutrition and help me with my life attitude. And maybe we can help my blood pressure get down. And she was on a medication for blood pressure and she's not on a medication for blood pressure anymore because she's on good nutrition. And she has this herbal that is very good for blood pressure. I can't remember the name of it now, but um, so she's taking an herbal, she watched her diet and her blood pressure is so much better than what it ever was when she was on the medication. Wow. And she's lost a lot of weight because she's eating properly. And she's realized that one of the things that can really raise her blood pressure is meat because I don't know why her body has such a bad response to meat. But if she eats a lot of this red meat, her blood pressure will go up. If she stays away from red meat, her blood pressure kind of calms down. So everybody has their own different kind of dietary, I guess, hypersensitivities. 
So I think that the long and short of it is that nutrition is very powerful. There are conferences out there called food as medicine, and they're not kidding. Mm -hmm. Like food can be our medicine. So when you think about Advil for pain, sometimes the pain is the message to stop running and give yourself some rest, right? So if you keep taking the Advil, you just keep like not giving yourself the rest that you need. No, no. And runners, by the way, and and runners are the worst Mm. because we don't want to stop running or anything like that. So like it's the rest. We try not to, you know, rest or even like stretching and things like that. There's things runners need to do, but like we just, you can't shortcut things is what I, I learn as I get older. Go ahead. Yeah, I have another wonderful idea. Okay, so when you run, it stimulates endorphins, which really Mm -hmm. makes it very addicting, right? The endorphins. But uh, one of the things that endorphins help with is also attention and focus, right? So a lot of endorphins can also help center the mind. And I actually use something that I think the runners would really love. I use D-phenylalanine. So it's an amino acid. It's a certain kind of amino acid. It's not L-phenylalanine, it's D as in David, phenylalanine. And when you use that with like a multivitamin, some minerals and stuff, it helps you to build more endorphins naturally through the nutritional route. So you're not as dependent on stimulating endorphins through your run. So -hmm. you're not running your knees to the ground trying to get those endorphins. So the D-phenylalanine I have used effectively for people with ADHD come off their stimulants. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, and real quick, it's funny. So we use those amino acids in our products, by the way. So you're reading all of our guys' minds. So that's (laughs) awesome that you say that. But, and by the way, that's why I don't like, I hate that. I hate, people know me, they know I hate the word nutrition. I hate the word supplement because like we're all talking about now. Wow, this was so informative. I mean, I think my questions, I mean, Dr. Alice, you are just like, I'm good on questions. I think I have, I I will say twofold. One, I've got some information I feel is useful. Second, I am glad to know I wasn't doing anything too, too wrong. (laughs) So like, so I'm glad like you kind of put me a little bit at ease. Like, all right, so not, not, I wasn't doing anything crazy. Mm -hmm. Obviously we always can tweak. We always can improve. And I, I love speaking to someone who kind of reiterates and you kind of, kind of confirm we are very aligned. Again, I want to make sure I, I mention it. Check with your physician. Check, you know, medicine. In some cases, I don't disagree. Medicine is the route to this. The, the medicine is the road, the pathway to getting better. We have modern medicine and you guys definitely, everyone should do what's best for them. Um, so I don't want to sit here and, and tell anyone I know. And, and Dr. Alice, I, I love your opinion and everything like that. And I think people can can make out of this podcast what they want. I just want to make sure we kind of put a tiny little disclaimer on there so people do what they feel is best for themselves. Wow. Let me give you this last opportunity. I I am not in a rush, Mm -hmm. but any last words you kind of want to say to anyone or any thoughts you have, or again, we've got some time, but Dr. Alice, what would you like to tell anyone out there? Well, I'm really um, very supportive of people who are improving their health and trying to do the right things for themselves through proper exercise. And I think that the more you understand some of the holistic and natural ways to help improve your health, the more you're going to find that what is the status quo for the rest of society doesn't necessarily have to apply to your health. 
Like when you mm. get older and a lot of people are getting, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes and, you know, they're getting strokes or whatever, that doesn't have to be your health. You right. can start to create your own path and you have to start early. So you just have to, you know, start to learn about all of these natural things as opposed to reaching for a prescription medication or even an over-counter medication. If you do things differently, you're going to have different results. And what we want is for people to be free from having to be a patient, that they yeah. can be healthy for the long-term duration of their lives. I love that. I love that. And real quick, where the number one place, I know real quick too, we didn't talk. You have a, is it a weekly? When is your podcast? Oh, yes. I have a weekly podcast called The Holistic Psychiatrist, and I mm -hmm. talk about holistic psychiatry, but also all sorts of things that interest me, whether it's psychotherapy, whether it's hypnosis, you know, there's a lot of different things that I try to explore and learn. Um, so that's my podcast. And, but most of my uh, information is on my website, which is holisticpsychiatrist.com. Mm -hmm. And that's where people can contact me. And there's a lot of links to my podcast on my website. So awesome. Beautiful. Well, guys, we'll put all that in the bio. Um, Dr. Lee, I'm very anxious for this to be published. I selfishly might move it up the ranks a little bit. Um, <laughs> Thank you. What I want to do is if anyone has questions, I'm thinking I want to say this even while we're on air. Uh, guys, no, I haven't even hit stop record yet. Um, maybe like fall or right before end of the year, we have you back on. I'm sure this is going to bring up some questions even I have. And um, I think this is going to draw out some topics. I'm going to take some notes. Would you mind coming back on maybe in the fall? I'd love to. Thank you for the awesome. opportunity. No, thank you so much, Dr. Alice. Um, uh, congratulations on your move. Congratulations on everything. And please, I just want to say from me, you're doing something really great. And people like you are game changers. And please don't stop doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Hami. I really appreciate your encouragement. I always need that. <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely, I believe in that. So, um, and you've been very, very, very patient with us and feeding us your knowledge today. So thank you so much. And Definitely everyone out there in 6 a.m. run. If Hopefully this kind of powered you through your run today if you were listening while you're running. And Dr. Alice, thank you. Have a great week. All right, everyone, have a great day.